Hawk Nation, welcome to another episode of our H&U Hawkcast. Uh, we're joined today here with uh, Drew Gerder, and uh, our guest uh, today is going to be Jillian Bolin, our head women's soccer coach. We're going to talk shop with her today and talk about a couple things, uh, in particular her journey so far. Uh, she's been an alumni of the university, played women's soccer here for H&U, uh, currently is completing her master's, uh, and uh, is currently heading our women's soccer program. We'll delve, delve into some of the successes uh, of our national uh, team as well, and then uh, kind of pick her brain a little bit about some things with as it pertains to coaching. So uh, we're really excited having you here today, and uh, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, asking you a little bit about your playing time, playing your playing days here at Holy Names University. Uh, tell us a little bit about when you were here and. Uh, and talk a little bit about your experience with women's soccer. So originally I am from Southern California and prior to being recruited uh, to come play for the women's soccer team here, I had never heard of Holy Names. I wanted to experience going away for college and had some opportunities to go to schools in the Midwest, but ultimately I made the decision to play for Holy Names so I could stay in California. And I am very pleased with the decision that I made. HNU was far enough from home to where I could have that away from home experience, but it was also close enough for my parents uh, to come up and watch me play on the weekends. And on my recruit visit to Holy Names, I was surprised to find out that one of my former club teammates from Orange County was on the team. So I was able to make that connection already. Um, and yeah, just, just being on the team for me is really what made my experience as enjoyable as it was as an undergrad here. I had felt really homesick at times and I felt that just the relationships that I was able to build with my teammates really got me out of those tough times and I didn't feel as lonely despite being, you know, away from family. I really attribute the closeness and the bond um, that my team had to our coaches' efforts. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of trips that we did together and a lot of just fun activities. Probably one of my favorite experiences was when we went camping at one of my teammates' uh, family's houses. They had a ranch. And so the day started off with, you know, a barbecue and having a team meal, which led into a campfire, um, sharing stories with one another. And then we all slept in tents underneath the stars. And then the next day we went whitewater rafting as a team on the American River. So that was a really cool experience that, you know, to this day is one of my most memorable experiences with the women's soccer team at Holy Names. Yeah, so coach, I, I've known you as a player and, uh, and, and seeing your competitive spirit and, and really how you get after it as a player. Uh, talk a little bit about what you learned as a player here uh, playing. I, I know you had multiple coaches, uh, but nonetheless, uh, never shied away from competition and or uh, helping your team win. So tell us a little bit about your experience as it pertains to soccer and on the soccer field. So I feel like my competitive nature has definitely been with me um, since I was younger. Both my parents are athletes and are really competitive and so I feel like that competitive nature was just something that was instilled 
um, with my upbringing. And yeah, so because of, because of that competitive nature, I really do hate losing. And throughout my time as an athlete, you just learn what it takes to win. And, um, you know, some of those things include not making excuses. Some of those things include making sacrifices for the overall betterment of the team. And yeah, just having, having a positive mindset and having a growth mindset in order to always get better. That's awesome. If you can talk about maybe one, uh, one thing that you got out of being a uh, women's soccer player here that, that you've taken with you until now, what would that be? Something that I really learned here at Holy Names as a student athlete was the value of athletics and the value of education. Um, and that kind of stemmed from, from a class that I took during my senior year. It was the senior colloquium, Gendered Bodies. And um, the topic that interested me was sports and women and kind of the injustices around the world that women experience. And I feel like I really learned the value of education and how sports can empower women to be strong leaders on and off the field as well as in the classroom or outside of the classroom. That's awesome. So our journey takes us now. You're graduated. You, uh, you move on and I believe you, you start life. You go in, as we say, quote unquote, the real world. But then we bring you back and we bring you back as a, in the capacity of a graduate assistant with compliance with our associate AD of compliance, uh, Marcia Duca. And so talk a little bit about your role within compliance. Um, and then as you're thinking about that role, uh, really think about uh, what led you to coaching? Because obviously you're now the coach. And so uh, was it something that was going on in compliance or you always knew you wanted to be a coach, but just take us through those next steps. During that senior colloquium class as well, like I mentioned, I learned the value of education and, um, and sports and how that can empower people. And so it was during that class that I had decided I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. Um, I always thought that the coaching would come after the teaching, but um, nevertheless, I'm, I'm excited the way that things are starting to pan out. In terms of my role as a GA here at Holy Names, um, I had actually initially applied for the women's soccer assistant coaching position, um, but that was filled, and Omar, it was actually you who referred me for the compliance position, so thanks for that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really great experience working with Marcy. At the time, I had no idea what NCAA compliance was or, you know, how I was going to navigate this new role. But Marcy was a great mentor um, and instilled just important values such as um, time management, which I also have learned throughout my experiences with sports, organization, always keeping things in writing, uh, just to name a few of the values that I learned from Marcy. But I think um, being in that role, it really prepared me for coaching in the sense of having that background knowledge. I know generally the compliance side of things is a challenging part for new coaches and so to just feel more confident in that role I think it's helping me um, with this role. However, 
I don't think I gave you coaches enough credit because, um, you know, I would think, oh, why can't they just do this right? Or is it really that hard to fill out this form? Um, but yeah, it is that hard when you are trying to manage a million different things. So uh, a credit to you coaches and maybe some apologies are due as well. I, I'm enjoying the role and there's always something to learn. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that the compliance position really helped me with that side of coaching. Well, it's funny you mentioned you wanted to go into teaching and then potentially kind of incorporate some of the coaching things. And it kind of happened inversely, though, your education, your teaching came in the form of compliance, it looks like. And and again, uh, we always say at our level, you know, 70% is paperwork, 30% is coaching because we're spending a lot of time trying to make sure that things are in order from CARA logs to travel rosters to itineraries, uh, booking everything on the road, making sure uh, players are fed. It just, you know, it becomes countless, but uh, it was good that you you were in that role in compliance because it probably uh, gave you an appreciation as a coach of what needs to happen when it comes to all the little details that a lot of other people fail, fail at. But talk a little bit about when did you, in your mind, think, you know what, I, I want to be a coach? And did you did you think that you were going to be a Division two coach right away? Or talk a little bit about, about that coaching side of things. In terms of coaching, um, I do have some experience, but it's quite limited in the sense of, you know, I was um, a camp counselor in the summertime for Dublin Soccer Club, and I did not expect that my first head coaching position would be at the NCAA Division II level. There's a lot of components, like you mentioned, um, within this role of coaching, with at, at this level of coaching. I saw myself as a coach, like I mentioned, from that senior senior colloquium class. However, I didn't expect it to come so soon or at this point in my life. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to gaining more experience and learning new lessons every day as to how I can really develop my coaching style and my philosophy. And that's, that's so important. And I think uh, our young women here are fortunate to have you, Jillian. I think you're a, a great leader. Uh, you have... Uh, the right principles uh, in mind as far as how you want to develop your players. I know we've had some discussions as far as what you think your philosophy, you know, where you want your philosophy to be. And I think you're, you're heading in the right direction uh, with, with developing your players and wanting to, uh, you know, have their interest at heart. Uh, you kind of got thrown a little bit to the wolves there late in the late, 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 late in the summer. Uh, but nonetheless, you managed to, to keep it together. And now you're a couple games in. So, Let's talk a little bit about uh, now that you're a couple games in, you know, what, what are some of the lessons you've learned so far? Some of the lessons I've learned are just, you know, always be on your toes because um, things can change at any given moment despite how well you think you've planned for it. Um, just a, a little uh, example of that is when one of the van's battery was dead on the first day of practice. And so just being on your to- being on your toes and being prepared for anything. Luckily, we were able to get the van started and we made it to practice as a team. But um, yeah, just, just always being on your toes and, and ready for any situation that might arise. Um, in terms of 
the team, I think, you know, lessons that we're learning together as a unit is just, it's really all about the small details. And if you can execute the fundamentals and the small details, the larger picture will fall into place. That's so important. We spend a lot of time really thinking about uh, living in the big picture that we forget that in order to achieve that big picture, it requires a lot of little details and you really have to live in your details. That's something we preach in our program as well. But I think it's so important to really understand that because uh, a lot of the times we just kind of live in the big picture and think it's going to magically happen and you really have to work hard at, at, the, at the details of that plan to make sure it happens. Uh, you know, I, I want to transition now into talking about uh, women's soccer on the national level and uh, we really want to delve into that and I know Drew has a good question for you here and I'd like to uh, pass it over to Drew so he can ask you that question. Yeah, so Julian, with the U.S. women's national team winning it all this year, I'm just kind of interested in knowing how does that influence your view of the game with the rise in popularity and where the sport is headed for women today? So... I think, you know, the game for the women's side has been developing and the popularity is gaining momentum. However, um, from my perspective, this team, the U.S. women's national team, has always been a successful team. And, you know, for me, uh, I've always enjoyed watching them. It's probably my favorite team to watch just because of their success and um, the effort that they put in day in and day out. So in 1999, when when they won the World Cup, that was kind of my, my turning point or what made me realize that soccer was a bigger passion for me than I had realized. Um, and Brandy Chastain is like my idol and... Um, I did a I did a project on her in fourth grade, and she became my pen pal. I was getting autographs from her and from the team with posters, and so, um, yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed following the U.S. women's team, and I think, you know, social media and all of that has helped enhance or highlight their successes um it's a lot more accessible for people to watch games and to follow the team and you know they have videos on social media of their relationships with one another so though it seems as though it's just gaining popularity for me it's always been kind of a popular uh team to follow and an exciting team to follow i couldn't agree more i think uh I think the men are playing catch up behind the women, to be honest yeah. with you, when it comes to soccer. Our, I mean, I'm a basketball coach and I know more about women's soccer than I do men's soccer at the national level. And it's been so much fun watching them and, and kind of uh, uh, seeing them uh, be as elite as they have been over the years. Uh, they've been as consistent as any national level team has been. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's it's great. Uh, I want to move a little bit back into uh, the coaching side of things. and. I always like chatting with coaches about culture, yes. and culture is such a big thing. And each, you know, the great thing about uh, coaching any team at any level, you know, there's there's a saying that goes, "There's a hundred different ways to skin a cat," and what that means, there's just so many different ways to to teach teach the sport that you love. Uh, but it always starts with culture. So can you can you talk a little bit about what does culture mean for you and and uh, 
what is the team culture that you currently have that you're trying to establish and uh, is it there yet or do you find that you're it's going to take a little time but let's talk a little bit about team culture i think team culture is critical to any team's success and i really think that you know talking about the u.s women's national team i think it's evident how strong their bonds are with one another and i think when you have such a strong bond with your team um combined with focus dedication and worth work ethic i think that is what really puts those successful teams on top of others for me you know the team culture when i was a student athlete was um just really like a family culture. We were all so close with one another and we do anything for one another. And when you have that close bond, it makes you want to work harder for that person that's standing next to you on the pitch. And so um, that's something that I'm trying to establish now is just really having that close unified team, just helping the team have fun together playing something that we've worked so hard for uh, throughout our lives. And so you asked, you know, is the team culture where I want it to be or is there more work? I think there's definitely more work that needs to be done. It's not something that happens overnight. Um, I'm learning that, you know, you have to be patient when you're trying to change or establish um, a new culture. And so, you know, like we mentioned, there's so many different things or different components that you have to do as a coach and so for me it's really hard just trying to find the time to create those moments to create the bonds with the team so um you know just staying organized and trying to plan as best as possible will will help with that going forward and i can tell you i mean being intentional about things definitely gives you an edge uh, a lot of times when we, when we want to establish team culture, we say some things that sound good and think that they sound good, but I think in our actions, we have to show those pieces and, and, and really be intentional about how you create uh, that environment for your team is so important because if you're preaching family, but then you go out and you don't even get along with your teammate, that's not really family. And, uh, and so can you share with us some of the things that, since family is such a, a vital part of culture for you, what are some of the things that you're doing right now to create that, to be intentional about that we started the season with, you know, just some team bonding activities, um, some icebreakers, getting to know one another. And then um, one of our team bonding activities was, um, it's this game or this activity called Crossing the Line. And it just asks questions to the group and you have to stand up if it pertains to you and if you identify with that statement. And I think that in itself is really powerful because, you know, some of the questions are uncomfortable. And when you stand up and you notice that there are other people in your situation or even the reverse, if people don't stand up um, for something that you stood up to, it just helps you develop a better understanding for that person and the experiences that they've gone through. Um, so those are just some of the components. Um, we've had a few barbecues. We're going to be having a bonfire later this week. And um, something that I haven't had the chance to incorporate yet, but something that I definitely want to work towards is just giving the team more opportunities to be competitive with one another. So, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily pertain to the whole family aspect of team culture, but 
like I mentioned earlier, I am competitive. I love to win. So just kind of, you know, nudging that competitive nature out of the student athletes is something that I want to get going. Yeah. And I liked one, I like the, uh, how intentional you're being about really developing that team culture, but two, I think sometimes we confuse competitiveness with uh, with the wrong things, and I think we, we can be a family, and as family, really understanding that we need to make each other better. The only way we make each other better is by bringing the best out of each other. And I think that's so important in team settings because a lot of times we lose uh, ourselves in, com- in competition, and sometimes that brings out the ugly side. And I think, uh, again, going back to being intentional, we have to be intentional about how we want our culture to roll out and what does it look like. And again, if uh, we it, we have the responsibility as coaches to paint that picture and then to live it out for them as well uh, in our actions and how we treat how we treat each other, how we treat others, I think it's so important. Um, let's move on to uh, one of the hot topics right now, and uh, I think it's so important uh, and it's so relevant. But mental health. You know, mental health, we, we, we're having professional athletes. You talked earlier about social media. And social media has been such a big platform for that mental health piece. And you got all these professional athletes coming out saying they're, they're having mental issues and that it's okay to say you have them. It's okay to say you're getting help. But how do you feel uh, mental, mental health plays a role in your sport? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I think mental health is an important topic to discuss, um, and I don't think it pertains specifically to one sport or another. Um, I really admire these professional athletes who have been so transparent about the struggles um, that they've been having with mental health because I feel like it's breaking the stigma around the topic. Um, And some examples of those athletes include Hope Solo, who had some anger issues and that led to her opening up to ESPN about going to therapy Um, in addition to Abby Wambach who had talked about depression and addiction and so I think you know these people just being examples um, can help others find courage in dealing with mental health struggles and knowing that they're not the only ones going through it and to just seek help because it's not seen as a weakness. How do, you, how do you feel coaches play a role in that? Because I think, uh, you know, coaching 15 years ago, 10 years ago is different than coaching in today's uh, day and age. And, and a lot of people, uh, you know, in my, in my realm, want to say kids are soft or kids are this. And I honestly think they're learning differently. But how do, we, how do you feel like as coaches, we, uh, we play a role in that mental health? So as coaches, we have a huge role in our student athletes' mental health. Um, You know, we spend a lot of time with them, and so we have to really be observant and try to recognize any changes in their athletic abilities or, you know, their moods and how those have changed. I think it's also critical that we develop a relationship with our student athletes so they feel comfortable coming to talk to us about their struggles as well as creating opportunities to check in with these student athletes and have conversations about their overall well-being. Um, Here at Holy Names, there's a great resource for the students um, with our counseling and psychological services program. And um, so I like to make sure that my students know about that resource and that they utilize it if they feel that they should. 
Um, And then lastly, I just want my student athletes to understand that I'm here to support them and provide resources to them with anything that they might need. Wonderful coach. Now, you know, you're, you're 4 and one. I know that's not the start you were, you were hoping for in your first uh, year. Uh, but you do play this Friday, and you're going up to Santa Cruz to play the uh, Banana Slugs. I believe that's Marcy's uh, alma mater. Um, but, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, it's not what you wanted to start off with, but is this what you envisioned? Is this what you envisioned in year one for yourself as a coach? Um, talk a little bit about, you know, what you envisioned as a, as a year one coach and uh, some of the things that you guys are right now trying to get through. I mean, like you mentioned, the the record that we have right now is definitely not the the type of record you'd like to start with, but um, I think that's partially why I didn't set goals of having a winning record because um, I do really think it's a process. And again, it's about building a foundation to then be successful. And it, it's, it's not something that can happen overnight. And so, again, just going back to focusing on the small things, executing the fundamentals, I think, you know, if, if we can continue with that and keep working on that, I think then the results will, will come. Um, luckily, you know, the, the goals that have been scored against us have been just minor mistakes, um, minor lapses of focus. And so with that, I mean, it is exciting to know that it's minor changes um, and our mindset that can help um, kind of turn that around. And hopefully we'll start seeing some dubs on the scoreboard. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time uh, spent today with us. I know you got a lot of planning. Hawk Nation, if you are in the Santa Cruz area on Friday, uh, our, our Hawks uh, play at 3 o'clock. And uh, then they have uh, Sunday, September 29th, a little, uh, another preseason game against uh, Notre Dame Denimir before they open up on October 3rd against Point Loma. Uh, games are going to be played here at, uh, in Hayward uh, at the Pioneer Stadium. But uh, thank you so much for your time today, and we wish you the best of luck. Thanks, and go Hawks! Welcome back, Hawk Nation. Uh, we're joined here with uh, two of our women's soccer players. We have a grad student here, Megan uh, Wil- Wilmus, right? And then we have uh, a junior, uh, Kylie Tisdale. Uh, they're going to join us and talk a little bit about the program. Uh, we're going to talk uh, women's soccer. And then uh, we're going to delve into their culture uh, on their team. Uh, Megan's a, a grad student. She's uh, in the Masters of Education program here. Uh, last year, she started 17 matches, uh, led h in minutes. Uh, she's a two-time ADA Academic Achievement Award um, a winner and then Academic All-Pac-West her four years as an undergrad. Uh, Chi Alpha Sigma National College uh, Athlete Honor Society. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more with her. And then Kylie, who's a junior here out of uh, Mill Creek, Washington, started 12 matches last year, is also an Academic All-Pac-West. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit about, about uh, kind of their journey in soccer. And we'll start with Kylie. Let, let the listeners know what your journey in soccer has been like up to this point? I think it's been really fun. I've always been super into sports and I think it was great that I got to continue on playing in college. Um, soccer's always been a big thing in my life and I'm just blessed to be able to keep playing and to have made friends that I know I'll keep for a lifetime. 
Okay. Wonderful. What about you, Megan? What What's your journey been like? Um, pretty much the same thing. You know, I grew up watching my brother play soccer, and me and him are really close because of it. And I love the sport. I love playing it. And I'm thankful that I got to go this far and have that extra year to keep playing. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's what do you do without the sport you grew up with, you know. And I think it, I'm very grateful. I think it taught me a lot of life, life lessons. And I don't know exactly what I'd do without it. So, like, hopefully eventually I could get into coaching or something of that sort. Well, tell us a little bit about one of your more uh, memorable uh, moments here at Holy Name so far. Uh, and that question is for both of you. I think just coming together as a team and, you know, getting those wins, getting those overtime wins are probably the most memorable, you know, the ones that we fight the whole game and we get out with a win. Yeah, I think one of my most memorable here is um, last year when we played Merced and we won in overtime, and it was kind of our first overtime win, and it was just like a really good team experience to be able to experience that with everyone. Yeah, you guys have uh, have fought a lot in games, and, and I can tell you those uh, overtime wins, uh, when you definitely get those, they're, they're momentum boosters for you for sure. Uh, and it's been uh, it's been great watching uh, uh, women's soccer over the last couple years uh, with our program here. And now that we have a new uh, soccer coach and Coach uh, Bolin, um, how do you guys uh, feel you're doing so far this year? I think that it's definitely like a new start. Um, we're all still learning how each other play. We're a very new team, but I also think that could be taken into our advantage as we can just kind of reset and go off of, you know, what we know how to play soccer and just go from there. And I think our team is very close this year and we definitely have a lot of potential. Yeah, I think by having a new coach, it's kind of forced us to like, remember like why we love the game and play for like what we know. Cause like, I feel like by having a new coach, we've been able to bond a lot more and been able to like understand how we play like just focus on like the fundamentals first and then like go along with that. So there seems that there's a lot of intentional pieces happening there with your program right now and resetting everything and making sure that uh, culture is, uh, is, is a big part of what Coach Bolin spoke about yesterday. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that and, and what do you guys feel your culture is on your team and, and how do you play a part in that? Uh, I think, like I said earlier, we are pretty close this year. Um, I think we all get along and it's a good group. Uh, we are starting to do more team bonding and I think it's good for us. I think it gets us to know each other outside of our sport and connect in more ways than just we know each other because we play soccer together. Yeah, I think uh, what like Jillian has been having us do, like the like team bonding like the bonfires like the game nights like it's really helped us just like understand each other and like just become like better friends and like by doing that it helps us on the field like with communication and just like understanding like how each other play I think it's a big step with success for us you know one of the biggest slogans in uh, D2 that I really like is uh, we're all uh, gonna be professional in something else other than our sport and so uh, obviously uh, Megan, you're in grad school and you're doing your Master's of Education, so obviously there's something there that interests you. Uh, Kylie, uh, you're currently majoring in business, and so uh, 
what's in store for you beyond soccer? Um, I think for me, I still want to be involved in sports a lot because I always have been, so I think it would just be odd for me to not be. Um, I think I want to do something in business where I can like still be involved with soccer. Like uh, in Seattle, we have the Sounders, obviously, and I think it'd be fun to do like a marketing thing for that or something around the lines of just something sports marketing I think would be very interesting. I think that as far as I go, um, I don't have an exact thing that I want to do yet, but I am still interested in being involved in sports and whether I'm taking the route of being a PE teacher or a coach or something of that sort. Okay. And coaching, uh, you also mentioned coaching as well. Um, you know, coaching is one of those uh, professions that uh, requires a lot of passion, a lot of uh, intent to mentor. And so, uh, you know, we, we definitely appreciate you both. Uh, and you, we appreciate what you guys are trying to do with your career path. and. And uh, really appreciate you guys being part of the HNU community. Um, I want to move on over to women's soccer on a national level now, right? Um, uh, Kylie, you mentioned uh, one of your favorite soccer players is uh, Rose Lavelle, and then uh, for Megan, you mentioned Julie Ertz. Uh, both played in the uh, 2019 uh, FIFA World Cup. Uh, obviously, we had tremendous uh, success. Uh, how do you feel that? Uh, women's soccer on a national level, how, how's it been? How do you feel it's progressed? Do you feel like it's where it needs to be? And if not, what do you feel uh, needs to happen in order to make it a little bit more uh, world known or, or you know, to have a, a better recognition? Um, I think that it's really like played a part and I think it helped a lot get attention for us winning. I think it got a lot of attention to the women's side of things and there's a lot of things in the media and special special shout outs to like Megan Rapino and like her signature like I guess you move like after she scores a goal type of thing um I think it's really good I think it is progressing and like I said I think it's helping to get the attention to more on the women's side and know that we're equal and we are here to compete just as much as men are yeah, I agree. I think, like, by them winning, it just shows, like, women deserve the respect that men get in their sport, just as, you know, like, I think, yeah, just, like, we deserve respect, like, we are equal, like, we play the same game as them, we should deserve what they get. You know, it's it's interesting um, that uh, we all think always that uh, men's sports get a lot of the recognition, but our women's soccer team has been far more successful than our men's soccer team. And I feel like they're so uh, far more ahead of the game in, uh, in, in what they're doing with developing the, the game at a national level than our men's side, um, for whatever reason. But uh, I do agree with you that, uh, that there is a, a distinction in how men and women are uh, treated at the national level. And, uh, but it's been great seeing the success. And, and it's not like this is their first World Cup, but they've, they've won quite a few. And if you compare that to the men's side, there's definitely the scales tip uh, on the over to the women's side a lot more. So, um, so Megan, you are actually at the World Cup in France. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience watching the game, watching some of your role models as a player, and kind of what that meant to you to be there in the moment? 
It was an awesome experience. It was definitely like a once in a lifetime type of thing. Like one for the books, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And the vibes there were insane. And it was just a great environment to be in. And to watch them and how they play and how hard they work is just very motivational as well. And it just kind of creates like another fire of like, they're working so hard. Like, I want to work that hard too and be as good as them and do make, make achievements like they have. And it was just, it was awesome. And it's one of those things where if anybody ever does get the chance, like I definitely think that you should go. And I was lucky enough to be at the game where they played France. And so the game, that game was great just because it was the host versus the U.S. and both of them are powerhouses and it was just a great game. Well, I would like to move on to, uh, you know, one of those uh, hot topics um, that is finally getting some proper recognition. And, uh, you know, I played many moons ago as an athlete and uh, mental health. Mental health is uh, something that's come to the forefront of many professional athletes where they're recognizing these pieces for themselves. And because of the platforms that you guys have, like social media, and bringing that forth, it's it's gotten so much more attention as it should. But what what does it what does it mean to you? What does mental health mean to you too? Uh, I think it's really important because we are student athletes. Like we do go through a lot. Like we're up at five thirty every morning going to practice, and like we also still have a full day of classes and weights, and we still might have classes after that. And I think it's really important to understand like we do juggle all that and we do still need like time to ourselves and time to do homework and I think there just has to be a balance and some people like we're we can deal with it but it's hard to deal with and it's good to know like we have the support here like we are struggling like there's people we can talk to and be able to come to yeah I agree with that I think it's one of those topics too that nobody really brings up or mentions it's just kind of one of those things that you just roll over and you don't realize it but I think that it is very important to bring awareness to it and just give those options, which is nice here because we do have those options to go talk to someone and it doesn't even have to be a psychologist. It could even be like the coaching staff or a teammate or anything like that. Just like the culture here is very there for you and I think that it helps a lot because sometimes you just need a day or you just need to get stuff on your chest, off your chest and it's hard when everything just gets balled up and you're stressed and that's when you break down. Is there something that you would uh, would uh, recommend that possibly could help along the lines of uh, mental health here on this campus? I know we have the resources, we have CAPS obviously that are on campus and, and we can have, but if there was something, you mentioned balance and understand, you know, uh, figuring out that balance with practices, games, weight sessions, film sessions, so on and so forth. It keeps piling up. But if there, if, uh, is there something in your mind that, that could help with some of those pieces as far as an outlet is concerned on this campus that would help, you think? Um, I think just, like, the activities around campus, being able to just, like, go do something not related to your sport, like, go have fun. I think Jillian puts a big emphasis on, like, supporting, like, our mental health. Like, she always mentions, like, she, whatever she can do, like, she wants to be there for us, and, like, if we ever need anything, and so I think it's, like, helpful to have that support from a coach, and, like, know that, like, she's there for us, like, not just to, like, push us during the game, but to, like, help us after, and help us when we're struggling. Yeah, and I agree with that, too, and I think it is a big help, just knowing that, and 
I think that coaches need to be more aware of that and we're lucky enough that she is aware of it and she will give us that mental health day if we need it and I think that's really important. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that that is uh that deserves the uh, attention that it's getting now and it's long overdue and uh, I believe that uh, our our student athletes are definitely uh always being pushed to the max and I think it's important to create that balance. So, but listen, uh we want to thank you both for coming on today um uh, on the podcast and uh really appreciate your your time you guys open you have a game on Friday against Santa Cruz uh the Banana Slugs and then you're uh you have one more game against uh Notre Dame before you open up your your conference opener against Point Loma on the 3rd. What do you want to get out of these last two games here? I think the confidence. Um I think just being able to have two more games where we can still learn and build and be able to go into Point Loma strong because they're going to come out strong. Yeah, definitely. And confidence is a big thing for our team. We need to help work on communication for sure. I think every team does, but I think we have a good foundation right now, but just keep working from there. Well, just know Hog Nation's behind you and uh Hog Nation, just remember uh Friday 3 p.m. game uh Santa Cruz. If you're in the area, come out and support and then you guys play uh, at Notre Dame on Sunday and then open up at Pioneer Conference opener against Point Loma. Uh looking forward to catching games and uh we really wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Welcome back to episode 2 of the Hotcast where now we turn our attention to this past week's recap and upcoming events. Men's soccer took on Cal State East Bay last week and fell short in double overtime with the final of 2 to 1. Ramon Jr. Gutierrez scored the lone goal in the match for the Hawks, and he also leads the team in goals so far this year with 3. Brian Canchola leads the team in assists with 3. The Hawks are 2 and 3 overall and have been playing some very good competitive soccer as of lately. Their losses of all came in overtime or double overtime, and they look to bounce back this Thursday, September 26th at Menlo College and improve to a 3 and 3 record. That match will be played at 4 p.m. Moving on to women's soccer, they lost a tough one this past Sunday against Southwestern Oklahoma State with a final of 2 to 1. Andrea Eusebio scored her first career goal at H&U and she is tied with Cassidy Ballard for the team leader in goals. They traveled to UC Santa Cruz this Friday the 27th and then to Notre Dame Dana Mer on the 29th to wrap up preseason play. Men's and women's cross country will be competing at the Capital Cross Challenge in Sacramento at the Hagen Oaks Golf Course on Saturday, September 28th. Jay Guerrero won our first talk of the week this year and continues to strive for improving her time. Women's golf is headed to Hurricane Utah to play the golf course at Sand Hollow Resort for the Dixie State Fall Invitational on Monday, September 30th and Tuesday, October 1st. Senior Zach McClure from Men's Golf won Hawk of the Week and Pack West Men's Golf of the Week after winning the Sonoma State Intercollegiate Men's Golf Invitational. This was Zach's first tournament individual win, so congratulations to you Zach and good luck moving forward. This weekend, Friday, September 27th through Sunday, September 29th, men's tennis opens up their fall season at the Aggie Invitational at UC Davis. Best of luck to you guys out there in Davis. Women's volleyball had some notable achievements this past week of play. The Jasmine Yoon finished first in the Pac West with 82 assists, which ultimately led her to winning the Pac West Freshman of the Week. 
Sierra Allen finished fourth in kills with 28, and Mariah Leal finished fourth in blocks with 12. They played Dominican on Monday, September 23rd, picking up their first conference road win since 2012, the final of three sets to one. They have a very busy week ahead as they open up a six-game homestand starting on Friday, September 27th at 6 p.m. against Azusa Pacific and following on Saturday against Point Loma at 3 p.m. here in Tobin Gym. So Hog Nation, come on out and support this weekend and let's pack the gym. That is all that we got for the Fall Sports Recap in Episode 2 of the Hotcast. My name is Drew Gwerter and I look forward to having you all tune into Episode 3 coming soon. Go Hawks!